Scene 12. Win a date. John Lovick. Genie Convention. All right, we're here with uh, Mr. John Lovick. How are you today? I'm dandy. <laughs> Good work. Thank you for doing this with us. Mm-hmm. We do appreciate it. Um, so we're kind of giving you a little bit of background about the book. We talked a little bit yesterday. Yes. Um, but maybe for sake of completeness here, yeah. um, maybe a little bit of your background, how you got started in performing, what got you interested in it, um, maybe a synopsis of your character. Do you have multiple characters or do you pretty much just... Just Handsome Jack? I, I only perform as Handsome Jack. You only perform as Handsome Jack. So like a synopsis of Handsome Jack and then the approach to that. Um, all right, you, you, you talked about my performance background or something or uh so my my background mostly is in theater for the last 25 years i've worked in theater film television and radio doing almost any job you can name uh in those radio tv film theater mostly theater um i got a uh master masters of fine arts in theater directing uh from the university of washington seattle which is a great school and uh, it was right after grad school. And I'd done a lot of theater leading up to that in, in college and after college and in grad school. And it was right after graduate I started getting interested in magic. And then I moved back to L.A. and was working in theater as a, you know, a stage manager and actor and director. And my magic hobby just kind of continued and grew and I started eventually performing at the castle and then after performing castle for a while I marketed a a thing or two and then I got booked at a convention and then more conventions and I started doing walk around gigs and you know and so basically what happened is is magic eventually took over my life uh, I'd been like I had a theater company and I was doing plays with the theater company but in LA you don't make money doing theater and you know people were paying what really are obscene amounts of money to do you know three hours of walk around at a party or something and so when you know you can work on a show rehearse a show for a month and run it for two months and make total (laughs) for three months work and then and then you can do a you know a walk around you know gig and make you know a thousand dollars well eventually (laughs) you know there's only you only have you only have so much time and so much creative energy to, 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 to devote to something and it got to the point where I wasn't making money doing theater you know almost no one does in LA um, and I was making money doing magic, so magic eventually sort of took over my life. But coming from that, you know, the- theater background, that influenced everything about my approach to magic. That's why I'm a stand-up magician, not a close-up magician. Uh, because the formality of the stand-up situation, I'm, I'm here behind the proscenium, I'm on stage, you're in the audience, I've got a script, you're going to sit there, you know, I'm going to talk and you're going to listen, <laughs> you know, 
that's what I know. That's what I'm comfortable with. Of course, I there is a lot of interaction in my show. I would say half the things I do, I bring someone up from the audience. And so there's that kind of interaction. And if, you know, at the castle, we get a lot of drunks who, you know, yell random shit. And, of course, that's an opportunity, you know, if it doesn't, you, you know, I've learned over time not to get mad about that and just, you know, just run with it. So, so other than that kind of interaction, it is a very formal theatrical you sit there and listen. I'm going to talk. Shut up and pay attention. But so that's why, because of my theater background, that's why I'm a stand-up magician, not a close magician, because the formality of it is what I know. And and also because of that, my show is very, very scripted. It's almost too scripted. I've tried over the years to you know loosen up and and be able to be more spontaneous and and, and riff more. Like I I will respond you know, organically in the moment to something. But I usually won't really ride that to the end and, and really mine it the way someone like Derek Hughes, who is a genius at it, is. Derek is just one of the greatest as far as, like, you know, getting really great payoffs from these spontaneous interactions. You know, I'm not as good at that. I'm trying to get better and better. But it, it comes from, you know, I, I, I absolutely write, write out my script. It's written. You know, I learn it. Um, change it, alter it, cut it. But um, uh, the way I, when I work with other magicians, I work with a lot of magicians. I, you know, just either informally watch this and see what you think and give them notes or really, you know, literally direct them and consult with them and help, help them create. And when I do that, I approach working on someone's magic exactly the same way I approach directing a play. They're all the same questions and problems and, uh, and uh, creative um, challenges and, you know, approaches to creative solutions. It's, it's all the same thing. It's all exactly the same. The character of um, <clears throat> Handsome Jack, how did you stumble across that? How well, did I, I, didn't I, I started to talk about that. You know, yeah. So, you, you yeah. so, so what happened, well, like I said, you know, that it started with... Um, the, the, the win a day with win a day with Mr. Magic at that time and eventually they liked that trick and so I started you know going in whatever whatever that direction was that the audience was was responding to and that's that was a key that's a really important thing is you listen to your audience and respond to and and pay attention to their responses pay attention to what works for you and what doesn't work for you there's a magician in LA that I've known for close to 20 years now. And his act now he is, we're about the same age and his act now is exactly the same as, as it was 20 years ago. He's got jokes in his act that literally have never once gotten a laugh, <laughs> literally never once gotten a laugh. And the jokes are still there. And um, it's just amazing how he has just not grown, not evolved, not, you know, not improved, not paid attention to. Anyway, so and that's why here's the deal. Uh, Rob Zabrecki, who we've all seen this weekend at this convention, but Rob Zabrecki is the perfect example of the opposite of that. Because Zabrecki was, he, Zabrecki and Magic are not a natural fit. You know, it was, Zabrecki uh, was a musician and then he 
decided he was done being being a musician and wanted to become a magician. It was not a fish to water situation. <laughs> uh, you know, he does not really have a natural aptitude for it. But by gathering smart people around him, getting good advice, good guidance, listening to them, you know, trying things out, finding out what works, what doesn't work, finding how to use the gifts he has to the best advantage and working literally every single day of his life. He has gone from someone who had no hope of having any success as a magician to being one of the most popular magicians in the country. You know, it's like, seriously, I, I was, I was, uh, uh, I gave him magic lessons. I was his first magic teacher. And I would have said, there's no chance this guy will be anything but a really pathetic hobbyist. And now right. he's like so far surpassed me. It's, it's you know, annoying. Right. So, so that's the deal is that was a long way around saying, pay attention to your audience, pay attention to what works for you. And, and if something doesn't work for you, you know, you got to fix it or let it go. Um, and so that's how Handsome Jack developed over time. And I don't remember where that name came from. I don't know, know if I made up the name. Someone suggested the name. Something happened. I don't know. Um, but um, this idea of, you know, a male model, I don't really know exactly where that came from. <laughs> it just developed over time and stuck with me. And the reason why I'm still doing it 20 years later, because it's not it's not my natural approach it, it, it it's not my natural inclination my natural inclination as a performer whether i'm acting in a play or doing magic or just joking with friends my natural inclination is to be very very understated and 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 dry and really slide you know sliding in a, underneath everything with the punchline right. that's my my natural in, in, in inclination and not to be and to be self-deprecating is also my natural inclination and to be, you know, insult everyone and everything, including myself. So this this whole "Hey, I am so awesome" approach is just goes against my natural instincts, but um, it works and people remember it. Uh, like I've uh, I was doing with a couple other magician friends. Every year we would do we did this for about three or four years. We did a um, uh, a fundraiser for a charity event and every year we do it and about each year about half the audience was the same and the three of us would walk in and on the second year the third year and the fourth year someone would go ah oh, look it's handsome jack no one said oh look it's joe smith you know <laughs> right and you know dave anderson that i'm performing with not their real names you know <laughs> but no one said look it's joe smith and dave anderson but a lot of people went oh look handsome jack's back People remember it. It's a, you know, you got it. As they say, you got to get a gimmick and it, and it, and it works and right. people like it. It's annoying to me that people like it, but they do. So is there, is there a moment when you're, when you're getting into costume or into character, when do you switch from being oh. you into handsome? Is there, there's yeah, a moment? That, that's, 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 that is actually a very good question. And the moment is, is, is truly, the second after I step through the curtain. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's okay. not until as I step through the curtain and I throw my arms out, you know, and that's when it happens. Right on. You know, right. it's not, I don't, I, you know, it's not when I 
put the suit on and I, you know, look at myself in the mirror or I psych myself up or I try and get that mindset. I can't get that mindset until I'm in front of an audience, which, you know, that's neither good nor bad. That's just me. I, right. I, I can't get that mindset, but I go through the audience. And then that's the deal. I was like, I like, I'll be backstage and I'll be in a bad mood or something has really annoyed me. And I'm like, and, and I'll think, I'll think I can't, I can't be in a bad mood. I can't be in this mindset because I got to perform. I got to perform. And I'm like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. It'll take care of itself. And I step <laughs> to the curtain. And for me, it takes care of itself. That's probably not true of very many people, you know. Earlier, I don't know if we touched on this the other day, but you said that your show is extremely scripted. It's a play. Yeah. Um, how much of that has changed? Do you, do you take a lot of lines from the audience? Do you work in new stuff? Um, okay. You know, it's, it's, I'm, uh, I'm, it, uh, you know, it, it, it changes a lot and, and, uh, and evolves over time. And a lot of the big major changes are those sudden in flashes where I went, oh, I should put this joke here instead of there, or I should switch these two jokes, or, oh, I've got a better phrasing for that. That I'm constantly doing that kind of stuff. And if uh, uh, every once in a while a funny thing will happen, and I'll, I'll say, oh, is there a way to make that happen every time? Those kinds of things I'm doing. But I got to tell you, I forget that that evolution is happening, even though I'm constantly doing it. If, and, and I do a routine. You asked me about a routine that I've done for, say, 15 years. In my mind, I've done it the exact same way for 15 years. But recently, because I'm trying to put together a reel, I've had to go back and review video of me from two years ago, five years, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And it's mind-boggling, the evolution that's happened. I'm like, oh my God, I used to do it that way? That's the way I did that joke? That doesn't even make any sense. Or like, oh, you know, it's, it's amazing to me. I can't believe I am on the one hand, this is almost a contradiction. On the one hand, I'm aware I'm constantly changing and improving and, and cutting and refining. But on the other hand, I don't feel that evolution. The way it is now feels like the way it's always been. But no, it, it, it's constantly changing. And I told you, I think when we talked yesterday about the trick, the win a day that I've been doing the longest, I just gave it a completely different ending. <laughs> completely different. That adds a completely other layer to it that I realize now that's the good, new, satisfying ending. And in theory, I've been thinking about that new ending for years right. because there was something theoretically that I didn't like about this ending. The way I was doing it, basically, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I'll explain this to you. So win a day with Handsome Jack. I give a, a, a woman a chance to win a prize. And I bring her up on stage. We don't know what the prize is. Um, well, you know, I'm going to tell you a long, boring story about the evolution of this. And you can decide how much of this you give a shit about. But the original version of this was, was uh, we're going to play. I'm going to give a chance to win a prize. And I said, here, name a card. I said, I have a deck of cards. You name a you name a name a card. You get that card, and we'll see if you win or not. And um, and she names the jack of clubs. I take out the jack of clubs, and I say, "Hold on to that. That'll tell us something in a minute." She holds on to the jack of clubs. And I say, "I've written words on the back of back of this," and I go through, I go through the deck, and I say, "On the back of this card, I wrote win. 
on the back of this card I wrote win. On the back of this card I wrote win, win, win. And I show every card in the deck has the word win, win on the back. And if your card also says win, the date you will, you know, the win is a date with Mr. Magic. And if you are a lucky winner, the date will consist of this. And I start to explain the date, blah, blah, blah. So let's see if you're a winner. And Sharon Zomer says lose. And I'm like, oh, God. And I turned to a guy in the audience and I said, oh, you think, and I always use a young, attractive woman, you know. And I and, and it says lose, and I'm like sort of stunned. And I look at the guy in the audience. I go, oh, you think you're disappointed? Think how she feels. And I said, she's suffered a terrible disappointment. Let's give her a nice round of applause. And I said, I tell you what, since this is so, you know, such a crushing disappointment for you, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you meet me out at the bar after the show, I will let you buy me a drink. And I send her back to her seat. And that's the way it was for years. Regular deck of cards. And then I wanted to make it uh, for bigger venues. And these you know, regular deck of cards, I, even if you write the words as big as you can on the back, it's still just regular deck cards. And so I want to do it with jumbo cards. And I didn't like the method. And I thought, no, I could adapt a jumbo McComical deck to it. And so I adapted a jumbo McComical deck to it. So now the cards don't say win or lose. It's just, I'm going to pick a card. You're going to pick a card. If your card matches my card, you win the prize. And I say, I'm going to pick a card from this packet. I pick my card. Everyone sees the state of spades. And now you pick a card from this packet. And if your card matches my card, you win. Uh, now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what is the prize? Why did you pick me? Well, the prize you could be winning tonight, you could be winning tonight, is a date with Handsome Jack. And then I show they're all the same. And so I, I say, it's a date with Handsome Jack as I show them. And so it gets a laugh. And they're laughing at both two things. They're laughing that she's winning a date. And they're laughing that the game is rigged. So now I'm not exposing the method to a magic trick. I'm exposing this rigged lottery right. so that I can get a date with her, right. you know? And also it covers that moment that covers the moment in every McComical deck routine you've seen where the magician shows that packet and the audience laughs. Right. Well, when the audience laughs at that packet, she knows why they're laughing. Oh, they're all the same. So now to do the laugh at the same moment, she thinks they're laughing about the day with handsome Jack. Every once in a while she will tip to the, they're probably all the same. You know, but but it covers that. So so now, the way it is, and so she goes through, and you know, and I describe the big date. And it, let's see if you win your date. And she turns her card around, and it's wrong. And I'm like, and I'm like, and I look at, I look through the packet again, and no, and I, I don't know what screwed up. I said, I have a confession. I had the game rigged. I thought you were gonna pick date of spades. So I only have one thing to say for myself. See you next week. And I show the mine does match. And so now it worked out okay. And she gets a date and boom, she goes back to her seat. Here's what I don't like about that. I didn't like that she won the date. And I might be the only person in the universe that doesn't like this. But here's the deal. She just keeps calling. Yeah, well, here's the deal. I rigged the game. So she wins the date. That's kind of creepy. Right. It goes wrong on me. Poetic justice. But then it works out for me, and I get the date after all. So, you know, we're back to the, you know, this is, you know, creepy, you know, creepy guy now is trying to win a date with a hot girl from the audience. There's that factor I didn't like about it. I like the poetic justice that the first version had where she loses, and we don't know how she loses, and I send her back to the scene and say, but you can buy me a drink later if you want. I like that it didn't work out for me, even though I was trying to rig it. I love the karmic 
payback on that. But the, the McConnell plays better because at the end I'm like, see you next week, and they match now. You know, second surprise, second big surprise, yay! That's that's the way to do a magic trick. Kaboom, magic! That's the way to do it. But I didn't like it because now there's no karmic thing. You know, we override the karmic thing that had happened, and also I didn't like the fact that we don't deal with the logistics of the date. You know, I say, oh, you won. Give her a big round of applause. She hoops after her seat. I go, how's this date going to happen? Do you have her contact information? Does she have your contact information? Are you going to call her? Is she going to call you? Are you going to meet her after the show? Are you going to meet her after the show and say, what, you know? And so the fact that none of that happens, I say, give her a big round of applause. That means we know there was no date. This was just a joke. Nothing was at stake. Nothing, you know there was nothing she was going to win nothing she was going to lose nothing's going to come of this it was all it was you're just yanking our chain this whole time just i'm just imagining yeah hundreds of women waiting in bars for yeah yeah so now what i'm doing is i'm combining the two the 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 first karmic justice one and this is i'm still using the comical deck and the prize you could win when excited is a date with Handsome Jack, McComical Deck. She goes through, she picks one, and dis- and I describe the big date. Um, so let's see if you are the big winner. Your card is Ace of Diamonds. Wrong card. Shit. And I go to the guy, oh, you're disappointed. You think how she feels. Look, um, I know how disappointing this must be for you, so I tell you what I'm going to do. If you meet me out at the bar after the show... I will let you buy me a drink. She suffered a terrible disappointment. Let's get really nice round of applause. She goes back to her seat. Trick's over. And I'm standing there holding the wrong card. And I still have the my card that we have not looked at tucked in my jacket, tucked in my vest. And I'm holding the wrong card. And she goes back to her seat. And I said, you know, Marsha, it's probably for the best that the cards didn't match. Because if we'd gone on that date, who knows what would have happened. We might have fallen. I might have swept you off your feet into my jet-set, fast-paced lifestyle of high-fashion and showbiz. We might have fallen in love, gotten married, moved to France, bought a chateau. I might have bought a sports car. You might have tried to tame me. I would have resented that, started staying out late at night, drinking absinthe. We'd drift apart. I'd get resentful. You'd take up sculpture and channel your frustrations into your uh, art career. Fifteen years down the road, you'd get suspicious when the maid's kid looked like me. The tabloids would chronicle our bitter, messy, expensive divorce. We'd never speak again. And your friends would wonder why you freaked out every time you saw an eight of spades. So it's probably for the best that the cards didn't match. I take my card out, and in a gesture, I show that now they do match. But I don't see it. And I say, so it's it's for the best they didn't match. Sorry it didn't work out for you the whole time I'm showing that the cards do, do match. Sorry it didn't work out. Maybe next time you'll get luckier. And I put the cards away. And I never realized that they do match. So now I've got the best. So now there's the third and fourth layer. And so it's both. And there is a karmic, you know, sort of thing happening. So that's what I'm doing now. That's So that's the 20-year evolution of this trick. Less you know? creepy. Yeah. Justice yeah. And, and so, and when I show, when I show... And I don't realize I'm showing. When I show the cards do match, it gets a reaction, but nowhere near as big a reaction as "see you next week." <laughs> you know, that's the way to do a magic right. finish trick. Boom! Well, this is gets a smaller reaction. I knew it would get a smaller reaction, 
but it's okay because it's more interesting. Right. It's more dramatically interesting. Sure. But it's a smaller reaction. So if you're really, if you're going to do a magic show, it's the wrong way to do it. But I realize this is the way I'm going to be doing it. Right. You know. But if it's more satisfying for yeah. you, partially yeah. this is for you. Yeah. Right? It's more satisfying for me. And I think in some way, I think more interesting for the audience because because uh, I thought, my thought was I'm only going to do it this week as an experiment because I've th been thinking about this for 10 years. I thought I'll do it this week. I'll do it this right. week and never do it again. But enough people told me that they thought that was interesting. The whole monologue about the disintegration of the relationship. Yeah, yeah. They thought that was interesting. Beautiful. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to keep doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It adds a whole, like you said, it has yeah. a whole other layer to it. Yeah. Um, the question I had for you. So that's kind of that's kind of the writer in me versus the performer in right. me. Sometimes they're, you know, what's best for the writer is, is worse for the performer, and, you know, sort of. Um, no, that's a good point. Uh, how much of a backstory do you have? Or you know what? The, the short an the short answer is not enough. Okay. Not enough. Okay. And boy, we're getting into. Here's the thing. This is you know now now we're digging into, into something here. Is the question has always been. What's it like inside Handsome Jack's head? How true is this? You know, this, 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 this his backstory about being a model and his, his lifestyle that he talks about and all that. How true is that? Is he delusional? <laughs> or, you know, is, is this true or what? And here's the thing that I am ashamed to admit, and I'm going to admit it right now here in, for the first time in public. I have never fully answered that question which is just horrible and I am ashamed of myself for never because because sometimes one of the answers is true and sometimes the other answer is true which is like goes against everything I believe in as a performer and a writer and a director it goes against everything I believe in to not make these kinds of decisions <laughs> is something I would strangle somebody else about but for a number of reasons I've never completely completely answer that question although uh, I, I tell you over time I'm leaning much much more toward this is all true and this is this is real and he's not delusional oh wow okay but that's not how any of the audience perceives <laughs> it but for me that's more and right. more what's true over time right. and I'm writing a book now which is the Handsome Jack Book of Magic and it will be released early next year and and a lot more of the backstory is 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 is, 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 is being created for me, and, and and it is in the book somewhat. And the premise of the book is that twenty five percent of the book is footnotes. Handsome Jack wrote the book. John Lovick wrote the footnotes, but they don't <laughs> like each other. So, you know, that's going to be interesting. And yeah. So, so what happened is when Handsome Jack started making the modeling the transition into from modeling into magic. He hired Lovick to create material for him, and they worked together for about a decade. And Lovick created all this material for him, and then they had a bad falling out. And that was, you know, after about ten years of working together. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's it. I'm, you know, you you asked me the one question I did not want you to ask. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Just knowing from my from my days working with characters and building my character yeah. and how much, yeah. you know, yeah. it's always fascinating to hear what other people yeah. are creating. 
when you were doing your masters and um, in theater, was there any specific method that you liked the most? Did you study anyone direct? Um, no, I, because I, because I was studying directing. Um, there are, you know, there are. This may not be true, but it's. Uh, You know, directing is one of those things. I think it was Mike Nichols said it. Mike Nichols said, um, directing, directing a play is kind of like, um, kind of like having sex. I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it was directing a play is kind of like having sex. You don't know if you're doing it right because you've never seen anyone else do it. <laughs> um, and the thing about it, it, it is, it is, I think, true that there, there are more schools of thought in regards to acting than there are in, in directing. That may not be true, but, you know, to, in my experience, that's true. There are different approaches and different methods and schools of, of acting. That's less true of directing because I think, um, I think there are a number of historical reasons for that. But I did, I do know, this maybe doesn't answer your question, but I, knew, no, I do know my directing style evolved over time because when I, when I was first directing plays, I would, when I was getting ready to, like I knew the next day we would, uh, you know, block, you know, the first half of Act One for the first time. And I would sit through and I'd go through the entire script and I would, I would write down, I would plot out in my mind, you know, where everybody moves and, you know, uh, what happens and sometimes I'd, I'd, I'd have this set and I'd, I'd block out with little figures representing the actors uh, you know how the blocking is going to be and had it all written down in my script and I did that for a little while and eventually I stopped doing that entirely I not only didn't work out anything I didn't you know pre-plan anything and it, it was because I you know because I learned what I was doing basically right. and on my feet so we'd start the show and I'd suggest, okay, let's start with you. You're sitting here, and you come through that door. And I'd say, come on in and walk up to them. And we'd go until it felt like it had gone wrong, and we'd back up a little bit. I said, okay, it was good up to here. Let's back up a little bit, do this. And and we'd go until it felt like it was wrong. And then we'd back up a little bit and go until it was wrong. And, and just you just work it out with the actors and what, what looks and feels right. And then that was... And what I was creating there was just as good, if not if not better, usually better than what I was doing beforehand. And and um, and I trying to uh, answer your, your your question was something about my. No, I think that was what drew you to directing. What you well, here's, here's what drew me to here's things. what drew me to directing is because as a as a person. And I, uh, you know, when I say the word intellectual, it's not because I think I'm smart. Uh, um, my approach to life is much more intellectual than it is emotional. And I don't mean intellectual as an egghead, smart guy, because I'm not very smart. But I have no emotions, and I'm very analytical. And so because of that, I'm just much more naturally a, a director. And, and I like, I love... And I don't need to be in the spotlight, even though I, I work as a performer now. I applause. I don't crave applause. I don't love being the center of attention. In fact, I hate being the center of attention. I don't love being on stage. Applause doesn't, you know, give me a kick. You know, none of that. But I do love 
creating things. When you're directing a play, you're creating something. And I do love guiding things and collaborating. And I love, you know, I, I love working with designers. And I love, you know, working with the costume designer and the set designer, the lighting designer, and making everything work together. Making sure we're all on the same page, we're all working for the same goal, and we're all trying to create the same thing. And helping the actors, you know, fit in this world and all, all and all and all step into the same world, you know, and and all all the actors have, you know, their different approach, and and you know, every actor I've ever worked with is a better actor than I am, and but being able, I love being able to help them become, you know, achieve their best, you know, do a better job than they would have on their own is very, it's more satisfying to me than doing a good performance myself for whatever reason, you know, so that, that, that that's that's that discovery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, that's, that, that's more satisfying that getting applause for a play of directed is, is more satisfying than say getting applause for playing the lead role in a in a play, for example. Right. You know. What advice would you give yourself now? Oh. Or, <laughs> yeah. What advice now would you give yourself if you could run into your younger self? What advice well, would you give? Yeah, boy, here's the thing. What I what I really wish for myself now, and I don't know how it could have made this happen, is I wish I had figured out a way to learn to do magic when I was a, a teenager, interested in it. But as I told you yesterday, I grew up in this tiny town. There are no magicians around. There was this way before YouTube or anything like that, way before videos, DVDs. There were magic books, but but I had no access to those magic books because I, you know, the first magic shop I ever stepped into, I was in my mid twenties, you know. So I I wish I had because I I wish I was more technically skilled. All all my best friends are the greatest card magicians in the world. You know, I and like I'll get together with my friends who are just great, great, great card magicians. And I do card magic, and the few things I do, I do competently. But man, I wish I had those sleight of hand skills, and I just don't. And I, I don't know how I could have done that differently. But maybe just by read, paying more attention to the magic books I was reading. You know, I don't know. Um, and uh, I guess. Here's the other thing. Well, I don't know. You know, uh, one of the things, one of the reasons why I don't have uh, my career is not, you know, better than it is, is a because I have very little ambition, but also because I can I know what's I you know I can tell the difference between a good magic act and a bad magic act, and that includes my own shit. And I'm not one of those guys that thinks everything I do is great. Some things I do, I think are pretty great. A lot of things I do, I think are okay or mediocre. And so I've always been very, very hesitant to, you know, I, you know, I, all my other friends were getting booked to the castle before I, before, you know, I was not because they were better than me because we were all about the same, but they were more eager to get on stage. <laughs> And I'm like, I want to be better than I am before I get on stage. I want to be better than I am before I put something, you know, on a video. I want to be better than I am before I, you know, and because of that, and I think maybe, maybe I was too, too much of a perfectionist, you know, because that's, yeah, you know, because a lot of my friends have done, 
put together one-person shows for themselves. Many of them have had me work with them, consult with them, or even direct them, or create the show with them. I've done that for almost all of my best friends. They haven't done it for me yet, you know, because I don't think I'm good enough for an audience to sit through an hour of my shit, you know. And maybe I should, maybe I should relax, you know, lighten up a little bit and say not, not every, not, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, spewing that, I don't know, I don't know that that helps me, and I certainly don't think it's going to help anybody else, so, yeah. We'll cut that. Slice that out of there. No, but it's true. Like, how, how hard are you on yourself after, let's say, a show that not everything goes well? You know, this this is this is true not only of me, but also the people that I that, I, that I'm closer and I work with is is all I see are the mistakes. Right. And like Rob Zabrecki, one of the greatest performers I know, both as a musician and a magician, because uh, I've seen him do play music, and he's he's an even better he's an even better rock and roller. He's a he's a he's a better rock star than he is a magician, and he's one of the you know one of the one of the greatest magic performers I know. And like, you know, we've recently saw him perform and he got a standing ovation and just knocked out of the park. He's fantastic. I see Zabrecki perform. All I see are the mistakes. That's all I see. And unfortunately, that's all Zabrecki gets from me is you can't do that move when you're saying that line. Rob, it can't be done. This line is redundant. Cut the second line. Don't move on that. You know, after a show, that's all he gets from me. Right. Is the ten things he did wrong. <laughs> I don't know why he's. I don't know why he continues why to be my friend. You know, as, as I said that to Derek Hughes recently. I do, Derek is the nicest guy in magic. I said, "Why are you friends with me? I'm such a fucking asshole. Why are you friends with me?" We all we all need that that one guy. Yeah, we need that one guy. Well, when you directed shows, this is more of a personal question yeah. for me. Uh, yeah. When you were directing shows, after the show was opening night, did you did you go back and, and touch the shows? I, I would do that, and you know some directors don't. Um, yeah, a lot of the directors that I used to work with, and when I would direct certain things in college, it was the show is yours because yeah. I had faith in the actors. You know what? I think I think that's I think that is 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 probably the better approach. That's probably more mature, professional approach. <laughs> but I'm such a control freak. And and because this part of me that, read the line this part of me that knows everything can be improved. I'm the guy that gives notes every time I see something, you know. Some in a way that's good, in a way that's bad. But I'm I'm the control freak that thinks everything can be can be improved. And I'm the guy who only sees the mistakes. And I learned to you see the ten mistakes but you give the two notes that are really important and you let those, the eight, the, the eight minor, you know, mistakes, you let them go, you know, you learn and, you know, and there's some, some actors who really appreciate and want it. Some people, some actors who resent it and you learn that too over time, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think that was awesome. Yeah. Cause we got a lot yesterday. Earlier. Yeah. 
Thanks. Yeah. All right. Really it's a very laid back it. conversation. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people when we're interviewing, they're like, "How does this fit into the book?" And it's like it, it works itself out when it goes in. It's yeah. interesting to again hear the same themes and in uh, different words from everybody's perspectives. Yeah. Like we're all kind of approaching and hacking this concept from so many different directions, but underlying it, there's always this same basic, you know, approach, which is kind of cool. That's great. Thank you again for meeting yeah. tonight.